0: the best make the decisions based on imperfect information. But what they do is make sure that you get the answers that you need that allow you to sleep well at night, knowing that you've asked the questions that you need to ask so that you can make the decision on imperfect information. And that's a concept that took me a while because as a, as a recovering perfectionist, a student, I always wanted to try and get the, get the, get the answers right. But when I realized that I can start getting the answers that I need to make me feel well, sleep well at night, I started seeing the acceleration of being closer and closer and closer and closer to that then marked ability to choose to exit or not.
1: This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No, if you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Vámonos, ladies and gentlemen, vámonos. Hola, mi amigo.
0: ¿Qué pasa, men? ¿Qué pasa, qué pasa, señor Myers? ¿Cómo estás? Bien, ¿y tú? Muy bien, muy bien. Tengo muchas ganas de hablar contigo. Seguramente eh, vamos a añadir mucho valor los dos a todo tu público y estoy encantado de estar aquí contigo, la verdad. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast.
1: I'm your host, Jerome. I got my man, Billy Kills, in from Barcelona, Spain. And I can tell you right now, you're in for a treat. Billy, they didn't understand what we were saying. How are you, sir? Uh,
0: Mr. Myers, I am uh, I am doing very well. I am very happy to see you. Again, I'm looking forward to sharing another conversation with you every single time their value add. And, um, I have to admit, I'm also too, a little bit nervous, hearts pounding and stuff like that. So a little bit nervous, but Hey, it is what it is, man. When you're in the presence Uh, of Mr. Myers, these things happen, man.
1: I, I, I appreciate you showing up with such transparency (laughs) and vulnerability. And that is probably a great indicator that amazing things are going to happen. And so, you know, I know you. I I consider you a friend, an advisor, a confidant. But for the listeners, they may be asking, man, who is this guy and and what is he speaking? Is it Spanish? Is it Catalan? Like We have no idea who this guy is. So, Billy, break it down for the listeners. Who are you? Kind of what you've been working on here recently. And we'll really dive in and unpack some things today because I am
0: just so grateful
1: for the opportunity to pull some wisdom from you.
0: Uh, Yes. Would you allow me to do one thing first, though? Absolutely. Because you're so you're a very giving person and you are always looking to make impact and you're very almost always making positive impact on others. And I know that you have a very, very loyal audience. And just in case, because you do this out of love, you do this because you were looking to continue to make impact. And by the way, everybody, I'm now a fellow podcaster. So if you have not had a chance, please just take a second leave Mr. Myers an honest written review as well as a rating, because I know that he takes every single bit of input that you give to make this program better for you. So I just wanted to share that first and foremost with everybody. And so uh, hopefully that's okay with you, Mr. Myers. And yeah, you asked me a little bit about who I am. And up until recently, I had a, a very good conversation with a trusted friend of mine recently. And I used to say, yeah, I'm just a regular old guy from Columbus, Ohio. And the truth is I am a guy from Columbus, Ohio, Midwest through and through, who over the last, I don't know, I guess 48 years, something like that has had an opportunity to not only come from a family of, well, three brothers, me and my brother and sister, parents who worked really, really hard, watched them struggle financially. So sometimes making kind of really difficult decisions by the end of the month. Like, are we going to pay this bill or that bill? And so I knew what it was like to know what, it, like to really struggle financially. And so that kind of set the stage first and foremost. And then we moved around by the time I was 12, we'd live in like three different States, probably seven or eight different houses. Parents ended up uh, getting divorced, but always thought to tell us and show us that it was really important that we get an education so that we were always the kids that were, uh, we were in really good school districts, but I watched my friends have all the things that my Parents couldn't afford. And then once I finally was able to start working, like at 14, I got my moped. And so then I started working really, really hard and all that kind of stuff. Went to college. In high school, I got really good grades. In college, I got really good grades. I was what you would call an A student. That translated into two college degrees. So I was really happy about that. Went to college in the southwest of Ohio, a place called Miami University. And then after that, Jerome, I think you and I've talked about this before, but my life kind of changed because I was planning on. I got two degrees and my dream job was to work at P&G, Procter and Gamble. And not only did I, get, did I get turned down once, I got rejected twice. And that crushed me because I was an A student, right? I, I got really good grades. I studied hard. I did all the things I was supposed to do. And that was probably the first major rejection thing that happened in my life. And it happened twice. But that same friend that I was mentioning earlier. like he and I were talking and he told me about this job. It was amazing. Like these people were traveling all around the country and around the world, excuse me. And I applied for a role. I think there's probably four or 5,000 people that applied and 23 of us, I think, got the job. And I was working in a company based out of St. Louis, Missouri and had a chance to work and travel throughout 58 countries by the time I was 26. And it was amazing because we were doing like five-star kind of hotels, resorts, things like that. Stuff that this guy from Columbus, Ohio had never even thought of. I remember getting turned down service one time and I thought someone had broken into my, my, into my hotel room <laughs> and that was just, uh, yeah, that was wild. But, you know, all, all that stated uh, after five years, 58 countries, I decided I wanted to do like a one-year sabbatical. So I took a, I was accepted to university in Paris, the Sorbonne, and I, well, while I was there, I didn't want to go back because I learned French language and culture. I learned uh, more about wine and I learned how to salsa dance. So I do salsa dance every once in a while maybe a little less wine nowadays, but uh, at the time the wine helped the salsa dancing. I didn't really want to go back to the States after that. And so I kept working. I got, I was fortunate enough to start working in a big multinational, got into the IT space, which is really cutting edge, right? I got into IT and it was great. And that same kind of a student mentality that I had working hard and and continue to work and move up up the ladder was happening again, right? I was in Europe and was doing this. I was in the South of France and Um, I got to a point where I was sent to build a team in Italy. And so I got that sales team built up and then I ended up going back to France. Uh, I was doing everything I was told, right? I was just continuing to move up and get promoted and do all that kind of great stuff. Uh, I met a, a nice woman who was in France, but she's from Spain. Eventually ended up moving to Spain. Now live in Barcelona, where I've been for the last 15 years, going on 16 years. Got married, got two kids. And also up until recently, I, like I said, was moving up and got promoted and was always doing the things that A students do. And I realized now that I'm a recovering perfectionist and after 26 years of working in multinational and being part of top talent programs and being part of, you know, winner circles and, and all these types of things and top achievers, it's time for me to move on and do something different. And so now I am focusing on more time with my family, quality time with my family. I've had some things go on with my father recently that really helped me to get a lot of things clear, priorities. Uh, More time with my wife, my kids. They're really crushing me in video games recently, and I'm just enjoying that so much. (laughs) And also working on serving a very particular client and helping them to get to their goals and their dreams much faster. So yeah, it's probably a long-winded story, but that's a little bit about who I am, kind of what I've done to a certain extent. And and now I get a chance to speak to you and share a little bit more of my story. So,
1: so it's amazing how you made something so complicated sound so simple. So wait, I, I got to get this straight. You took a one year sabbatical and, in Paris, that turned into twenty plus years yeah, living outside
0: 20. of the U.S. Yes, sir. Twenty one years, three countries a marriage four languages two children later yeah that one year sabbatical has been pretty cool so what was it
1: about paris that made you say i'm not going back like did you leave the company that you were working for and all that or like how did this work
0: yeah so i was working in a company five years at the end of that five years it was time for me to go and i just did a one-year sabbatical so it was literally I'd, i'd worked and saved some money And I had this really negative experience that happened in 1995. And I told myself, because I lived in overseas for the very first time. And I told myself if I ever had an opportunity to live overseas again, that I was going to take it because I kind of had this moment of failure moment in my life. And fortunately for me, about five and a half years later, I had another opportunity to live overseas. And so that's when Paris was on the map, had this really full goal focused, like goal oriented. So I wanted to, like I mentioned before, I wanted to learn French language and culture. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance and I wanted to learn more about wine. And that's what I did. Like, that's literally what I did all the time. I had met great, fantastic people. I studied a lot because that's what A students do or recovering perfectionist. You're constantly studying, trying to learn the next thing, tasting wine and, and dancing salsa in the evenings. And I loved it so much. And I realized like after six months that I was, ma- I was making so many mistakes. I had to get outside of my comfort zone because when you, I moved to Paris, I didn't know how to even say my name is, I couldn't say, Je m'appelle Billy. I couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. Right. And it was through making lots of mistakes, finally letting myself feel uncomfortable or feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like having people look at me, like, what are you saying? And all this kind of stuff. And after six months is when I decided, wow, I wanted to really kind of stay here because I felt the growth that was happening. And I was very fortunate because I had wonderful relationships with some very influential people and had a chance to have a number of different um, job interviews and eventually found the job that helped me to stay in France. I really wanted to stay in Paris, but I was unable to do that and ended up moving to the south of France in, in a town called Montpellier.
1: So... So, I mean, for most people, that's kind of mind blowing because they're going to say, well, what about your siblings? What about your parents? And Mm -hmm. then you you mentioned kind of at the highest level, like something was going on with your dad's health. And so now you're so far away. Like, what if something happens? I think that's probably most people's worst fears. I can't get to you because my flight is, I don't know, 10 hours, 12 hours, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was, you mean just in terms of like, how was the, like, were people, was I nervous or was I in in state of trepidation or sorry, just to make sure I understand.
1: Yeah. I I think people would say that they can't do it because of all of the things that could go wrong because they're across a ocean.
0: Yeah. So, and that's, that's true. It's one of those things, even to this day, like my family, when they call me, they have to preface it depending on what time of day they call me, they have to let me know that everything's okay. Like before they even say hello, like everything is fine. Just because I've been through situations where we've lost family members, there've been major medical conditions and they happen to happen around the same time. So that's something that I live with constantly. It's something that my family lives with constantly. I realize that I have missed many events in life and it's because of the decisions that I made. And at the same time, there's always you always have trade offs. Uh, Would I trade what I've done for anything? No, because I'm I'm very happy with where we are now in life, where I am in life, where where we are as a family in life. I mean, it hasn't always been easy, man. I mean, there's just always difficulties that that happen, but it's part of a it's part of a trade off. It's part of a trade off. And actually, ironically, Jerome. I can see my family in the u s more frequently, meaning like my mom, dad, brother, and sister, <laughs> living in Europe because up until now i was I had m- much more vacation to be able to travel to the states. like the flights were longer, but I actually had five weeks of vacation, which people are like, "What? And yeah, so so that was maybe a, a blessing in disguise as well. and now it's really up to me. I flew back to the States a couple of weeks ago because I found a really nice economical flight and flew back and just kind of yeah. hung out with my dad and and my brother and sister and stepmom for like five days, just kind of chilled out. It was nice.
1: All right. So we're like 15 minutes in. We haven't <laughs> used the word yet. We haven't used the R word yet. <laughs> Billy, you retired in your forties.
0: Tired. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was time to, time to move on. Time to move on from, uh, from corporate life. You know, it's ironic because the last time we were here and I had a conversation, I was an, I was a happy corporate employee. Like I really enjoyed the corporate game. I was very, very good at it. At the same time, when I look back on it, you know, there was always like the corporate thing was running in the back of my mind. Always. I consider myself to be a dad who was present uh, at the same time. I mean, you were the one of the first people I told, like, I missed my son's third birthday and that's something that marked my life and, and will mark me forever. Because it's just, it's one of those things. You leave your three-year-old child when you want to be there to blow out candles and I saw him in the morning, woke him, woke my wife up, woke my his, one, his one-year-old his one brother up. And when they're blowing out the candles, I was at a meeting in Frankfurt. And I think I told you last time, I didn't remember what the meeting was. And to this day, I don't remember what that meeting was about. I know that I missed my son's birthday. And I know that was a catalyst to make sure that I never did that again. Because when you're traveling and you're preparing for meetings or you're there with your family members, but you're not really there because you're looking at your phone and you're figuring out what's the next email that's coming in and you've got to action this. And then after that email comes in, you've got to figure out, okay, well, this call's coming in and hang on, I'll be there at the dinner table, but hang on, I got to finish this other thing. And so with with more perspective, you start to realize that, yeah, that stuff is, it is important. And my son probably won't remember the three-year-old, like him being three, but I'm sure there are pictures that happen and I'm not in those pictures, right? And those are things that are really important to me. They've always been important to me as a father, as a as a husband, as a son, as a brother, and and yeah. And so going through those things, but yes, it's been there's the the retirement from the corporate life uh, has happened. Since then, still you know ninety some odd days out, I still kind of have those little twinges every once in a while. I want to look at my phone, and see how many emails are coming in, want to make that call to people. But I'm at a point now where it's it's nice. Life is slower when you're not. In the corporate life, you can actually spend more time diving deeper into things, really looking at things, analyzing and having time to strategically think and then execute on things. And that, that's also very, very nice. I was a happy corporate employee and a happier retiree from corporate life. <laughs> so.
1: All right. Most people. Don't even fathom the concept of retiring before 65 at this point in life. Mm -hmm. How'd you do that?
0: One was just being clear that I I knew, I guess, well, first and foremost, I, I wasn't really sure. I didn't have a plan to retire early, right? Because I'm someone who's a recovering perfectionist, right? I mentioned before, as an A student, you do what you're told. And then when you get the results and you get the recognition, you get the dopamine hit. So you want to kind of get into that kind of, you get into that cycle. And that's what I was doing until the, the year 2000 happened. And I, like, I was finally figured out, okay, I would, I've, watched my parents struggle forever, but I was saving money. And then I learned how to invest. And then 2000 happened. And then I lost money in the stock market because of dot .com. And then 2008, when we lost 33% of my portfolio, and I think you and I've talked about that before, that really changed something when we, because it wasn't a matter of not being able to have, I didn't have any control. My financial life, which was the thing that was really at the time, the most important thing to me, I didn't have any control over it. And it was, you know, happened once, shame on me, happened twice, shame on you. And so then that's when I started looking, all right, how can I go out and start to take more control? You know that I started investing initially in real estate. That was, that was something that worked out really, really well. And As I started getting more control over the certain outcomes of my life, then I thought, wow, okay, well, I want to do this. But I was working a day job and because I was someone who is enjoying that, I was recognized and was paid much more than I probably should have. But in that type of industry as a software sales and and software sales leader and executive in in a company, I was in that kind of in that loop. and was in that rat race, if you will. And so what the investing in real estate initially started was it started to help me open my mind. And so for a period of eight, no, sorry, nine years, I worked day and night, like up in the morning at five o'clock or, or before many times working on my business, working on myself, then rarely, rarely there or, or traveling. Many times I was traveling a lot or it would be at home. And then in the evenings we'd get back and then work until really, really late. So But it was nine years of of really, really hard work. And I started recognizing at a certain point that I could have more control over my life. I was actively investing, so I had much more control. I was gaining much more knowledge. And then I got to a point, Jerome, where I didn't know, like I was buying these smaller multifamily properties and I was buying, bought a mobile home park, right? All living from Barcelona and buying all of the assets that were helping me to start to create this freedom to choose what I really wanted to do and and then i got to a point where i was like someone was talking to me about this thing called passive investing and i was like oh hang on a second, like, you can give somebody two three four hundred thousand dollars and they could actually do all the work and i can keep working at my day job where i was actually getting the best return on my time and so as that started happening i started realizing okay well hang on a second this is this things that i'm managing actively even when i'm working my day job this is really starting to give me more control I then started recognizing that there were other vehicles that I could use that would start to generate income while I was working in my day job and met, and had my own properties. And then I started realizing, oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I can actually get more control over my life overall, realize where we wanted to go with our family and, and our kids and stuff like that. And I started recognizing that there, I was having this particular problem because I'm I'm someone who is not a real estate professional. That's an IRS designation if if people aren't familiar with that. And when I realized that, I was investing in all of these things and I was having this particular challenge because there's there's, uh, something called losses. There's passive losses. And I was having like a lot of passive losses. And I realized if I could just unlock some of that and use that capital to invest in other things, that would help create an even faster path for me to have the freedom to choose what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And so I started combining these different vehicles, different assets that were accelerating my ability to get to my freedom to choose. And I, you know, I actually, I chose to continue to go into the corporate life. And I did that probably three years too long, uh, meaning too long because I didn't have to keep going in. I was going in because I enjoyed it and I was I- enjoying the, the game. But all in all, it, 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 what, there was no master plan. But once I started realizing that I was taking action, some of that information was imperfect information, but I started seeing the results from investing actively passively investing with other people and then unlocking a lot of this capital that was stuck and it just accelerated my path. And then when, when things happened with my father in the last part of in the latter part of last year, fourth quarter of 2021, I just, it was time for me to go. It was, it was, yeah, it was, I realized that, yeah, I really was a happy corporate employee and those things were fantastic. And at the same time, you know, there's more to life than just uh, continuing to get the dopamine hits and the recognition, and and really wanted to have a change and focus on some other things in my life. So hopefully that answers the question. It wasn't too long-winded.
1: No, I think it was brilliant. the the question The question that came from your response was, "What do you mean it wasn't intentional?" There, there's no way you land at this place where you're able to retire. At what i would consider 20 years ahead of what most people shoot for
0: yeah and you know I by accident think it, yeah so and i guess when i when i said it wasn't intentional initially it wasn't intentional but initially when i when i first got started but once you start i started i knew that i had to get more control jerome because there was zero control that i had because as a, a an a student i was doing what i was told come in here work your job i was working so many hours i was traveling so much i didn't have time like you get to a certain point and i had a lot of conversations with people where you know, you're, you're talking to people that are in these really high paid high profile type of roles and you'll say well hey you know how's your how, how are you doing on this kpi which is a key performance indicator in your company or your management by objectives and and they could tell you to this like literally down to the comma where they were on their annual uh, target and then ask him about, hey, how are how are things at home, or how is your, you know, how, how are your kids doing? And uh, you know, I've, I've been on the road so much, I haven't been been able to do any of that. I haven't seen my kid. I haven't um, I haven't talked to. I talked to my wife earlier. Or talked to my husband, blah, blah blah. And I started realizing, wow, man, th- these are the kinds of things that you can move away from, and you can actually gain more control by having a plan, by executing a plan. And that's what started. I started realizing that I could escape that life. But, you know, I just, I guess I, I, I kind of kept going it. But initially, I was just trying to get more control over my life. And then when I started realizing that the results were there, then it was about how do I accelerate this? How do I figure out what's the next solution that I need to be able to unlock capital, build new friendships, build new relationships, challenge my thoughts, and then eventually say, look, I'm choosing to come here, or eventually I'm choosing not to come here anymore.
1: A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, AKA the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Wanna find out more? hop over to JeromeMeyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Choosing. Choice. So you created a situation where you had a choice on whether or not you showed up at the job. You created a situation where you had the choice on how you wanted to allocate your time instead of going into a bunch of different meetings. And you mentioned the word control. Did did the real estate help solve that tax issue, or was there something else?
0: So, and this is gonna be this is gonna sound a little bit strange, but hopefully you'll you well. I think you you definitely understand this. So, the real estate what it did is yes, it gave me control. It caused me so much frustration as well, right? Because one of the things that I did not understand was as someone who is a high-paid professional, super busy, constantly, you know, all over traveling in the meetings, up early, all this kind of stuff, the real estate gave a lot more control and was able to generate uh, more income. Very what you would say is tax-efficient. At the same time, because I was not a real estate professional, and that once again is an IRS designation, it was creating these big pools of losses that I couldn't actually, I couldn't do anything with. So real estate, although I really do like it a lot, it was causing me, someone who is a non-real estate professional, highway journeyer, my wife was not a real estate professional, it started causing me frustration because once again, it went back to when I was young. I saw the capital sitting on my annual uh, tax statements that I couldn't do anything with. And I would have had to wait another four five or seven years before, or maybe if some of the properties I would have, ne- you know, was never going to sell, at least that's what I had in my mind. And I had to figure out like, how can I unlock this? So I was, as a high wage earner, I was like, okay, well, hang on a second. There's got to be a solution. I found a solution to the control issue. I found a solution to being able to have more recurring revenue. And now I had this big tax problem on my earned income. And so one of the things that helped me to even accelerate this journey to being able to choose what I wanted to do even sooner was being able to figure out another solution to this big problem that I was having because I was paying a lot. And most people hate this word. It's a five-letter word, but I was paying a lot in taxes. And so I was able to figure out a new solution to help me with that. And by being able to alleviate some of the, uh, the tax obligation, it then accelerated my ability to to choose what I want to do when I wanted to do it and with whom I wanted to do it. So, so yeah. So it was a it was a it was a bit of it's so maybe a bit contrarian because I know I I do enjoy real estate, but it caused me a lot of frustration and I had to figure out how to do that as a high wage earner um, who was not a tax uh, real estate professional. Sorry.
1: So, what was the thing that you did in order to unlock your? Yeah, so you start awesome.
0: building. Yeah, so you and I guess this goes back to being a, having a curious mind and looking for uh, different uh, different options to say, okay. I, and before I, right, the very first thing that I thought is the only thing I can do is invest in my four hundred one k and IRA because that's what I was told. And when I did that, and I saw that that wasn't working, I was like, I need to find another vehicle. So I had that going running in the background, and I looked for the next vehicle, and that vehicle was uh, real estate. And then real estate was working really well because it gave me more control. It complemented what I was doing in the 401k because I didn't want to get rid of that at the time. Uh, that since changed. Um, but I, I, I wanted both of those vehicles to work. And then I looked for the next vehicle, which was how can I create more consistent income and then passively investing with other people and then was able to find another. like Because my mind started opening to new concepts, like even for us recovering perfectionists, for those of us who are A students and we know everything, it's like, well, hang on a second. If you just open your mind, you can start to see other possibilities. And so now went from the qualified plans or the 401k IRA and then to the, into the real estate and now into investing with other people. And then eventually got into a sector, which I initially didn't really know anything about. And that was into the energy sector and realized that there was a, a real need to be able to provide value, uh, in the energy sector and, for In exchange for providing value and, and directly investing in unique, uh, directly uh, investing in direct companies, was able to also not create consistent returns, financial returns, but also helped me to release some of that tax obligation that I had, because then I could use that capital to help invest in other vehicles, right? So what it helped me to do was realize when you have a particular problem, so as a Non-real estate professional, highway earner, I was looking to release that capital, and investing in the energy sector has allowed me to do that. It's also allowed another a number of other high paid professionals that uh, that are doing that with me. So it's yeah, just it's it's about being able to look at a number of different vehicles, and the one that really helped on the on the last earned income tax obligation was the was the energy sector.
1: So how does it work though? Because I mean, you've not only solved this problem for yourself, which is why you started on this journey, right? Creative, curious. I I need to see if there's something, because I'm not the, I can't be the only one that is making money, not wanting to pay taxes. I don't own my own business and I don't spend the majority of my time operating a real estate business. So I can't take advantage of the way the tax code lays out the benefits of real estate investing. So, I mean, your, your situation was similar to a doctor, an attorney, somebody in sales for like software. There's probably some other people that would fit kind of the same situation, right? It's
0: really interesting. You just started naming my clients. You just forgot um, professional athletes there in there as well. (laughs) But yes, that's basically the, the, the client base um, that we are serving because, well, yeah. I mean, you just, you, you explained it very well that there are very few to none to, well, very, very few, let's say it that way. I don't want to say none, but very few uh opportunities that will allow you to invest. You can invest, create consistent returns into the, the future and also help to, in exchange for your capital and, in and the, and the it's like everything else, right? It's risk reward. So you take the risk, you you also have the reward, and being well, being able to do that against your earned income is is one of the benefits of investing in this uh, this type of of an investment in the energy space.
1: Okay, so push my money in, I get to get the tax benefits against my active income, mm-hmm. right? Yep, but I'm doing this passively, so it's no different than if I was putting money in a syndication or some other thing that people who invest in real estate would be familiar with. Mm-hmm. But instead of it being trapped in this passive losses situation, it's moved in allowing me to reduce my taxable income, which I can then reallocate that because I think depending on where you are, taxes is like one of the highest expenses that you can have against your net
0: worth. Like, Yep. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And so, you know, as you're explaining this, Jerome, I'm thinking to myself, wow, Jerome, you get it absolutely 100%. And so one of the things, you know, if I just use an example, someone who is Because this is an example, right? You and I are talking about examples. We are not giving anybody kind of tax advice or any of that kind of stuff. So, people, of course, you're going to speak to your professionals. And Jerome and I would both recommend that you speak to your tax professional to talk about these ideas, right? Um, So, yeah. So, um, if you are someone who lives in California, for instance, or you live in New Jersey and you are a a doctor, you're a a high paid sales executive, a, a, a middle level manager of a large multinational corporation and you're earning large sums then it's highly possible that you're paying anywhere between 40 to 50 percent in tax right in federal and state tax and so when you have the opportunity to to place an investment i mean there's a lot we could go into but you you place an investment and depending on how it is structured you can get the uh, i was talking to someone earlier you get your if you're in a 40 percent tax bracket you could potentially uh, get up to a 40% return um, in helping you alleviate some of the tax benefit that you have, right? And every situation is different. It's a matter of being able to sit down, talk to someone, but it's not uncommon. I mean, we've had, uh, we've had investors that have had, you know, 40% um, in terms of helping them on their tax, on their earned income. Uh, and so it's one of those things, each situation is different. Uh, but one of the things we found is if you are not a real estate professional, And you are, you are not a real estate professional. Your spouse is not a real estate professional and you want to be able to uh, alleviate or free up capital so that you can do other things like choose to continue to go into your job or choose to not go into your job anymore, or choose to donate to an organization or an association that you've wanted to do, or choose to travel with your family around the world because you've always wanted to buy everyone a business class or a first class ticket. Um, you know, these are the types of things that we're seeing people do. And and it's great to be a part of those kinds of conversations, really sit down and understand how, uh, high wage earners are, are living. Cause I think a lot of times, Jerome, people think that just because you are a high wage earner, that you don't have any kind of sacrifice and, or you, or you, you, things you shouldn't, like you're living a great life. And the reality is, it's like I said earlier, man, there's, there are, there's so many times where you're just not even, people aren't even home or they're home, but they're not present because they're looking at other things. And many times it's because they feel like there's a financial stress that they've got to continue to go out and, and do more. You've got to go out and make sure that you get even more of the bonus. But the problem is when you're earning more of the bonus and you're not a real estate professional and you don't own a business and your spouse isn't a real estate professional, you're going to end up paying another X percentage on every dollar that you earn. And that's just kind of a, at the end of the day, you're working harder. You're doing a hundred percent of the work and you're bringing home 50% of the reward.
1: just doesn't feel right. Sounds
0: broken to me. Yeah. It just it sounds doesn't feel broken right. To me. Yeah, yeah. But doesn't that's normal.
1: Right. Is that normal? <laughs>
0: uh, well, I'm, one of the things I want to help people understand is that it, many people are doing that every day and they don't even realize like you're doing that and you, there can be a faster way to you to be able to, to be, free to choose what it is that you want to do. And don't get me wrong, I mean, you may choose to continue to go back into your job every day, but you're going to go into your job feeling very, very differently because you know that the things that are important to you, the, the ability to send your kid to the school that you want to send them to or be ready, prepare for college, or like I said earlier, be, be ready to take that trip, business class to Europe, to Asia, wherever you want to do and, and do it on your own terms. Um, And yeah, I just, there's a faster way. You don't have to do nine years like I was doing. Um, It can be a lot shorter than nine years. I mean, you can get there faster. You just have to be able to connect with with the information, have access to the information, be able to ask the questions that are usually the questions that keep you the most uncomfortable. I know that happened to me a lot because when you think that the only thing that's out there for you is investing in the stock market or investing in real estate, now there's a lot of other things out there um, i tend to see that you know your your business owners are a little bit more open to that because they're already doing things that are a little bit different and at the same time for you know those of us who are have been in the corporate life we know in our gut that there's something else out there it takes a little longer but you got to be there and you got to ask the questions so that you can get clear on on making the decisions that are going to benefit you and your family you know Jerome i heard this thing the other day i'd never heard it before and so of course i'm sharing it with you cuz uh, I care so much about you and your audience. It was, they were talking about Colin Powell and said when he used to make decisions, like really major decisions in his life, it was a 40 70 principle. I don't even know if you're are you familiar with it, the 40 70 principle. 40
1: and 70 don't equal 100. Uh,
0: what's no, they like? don't. No, they don't. They don't. But, but someone who's a recovering perfectionist and an A student, like you go out and you want to get, you study hard and you got to make sure you get every single thing right. Well, when he was making these major decisions that affected, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives, he applied his 40-70 principle. And he said, I am never going to make a major decision with less than 40% of the information and no more than 70% of the information. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty awesome, right? Because less than 40% means you don't have enough data, you don't have enough information. And if you go beyond 70, then guess what you're doing? You're falling into that potential analysis paralysis, because then you start looking for the perfect bit of information or data to make that decision. And he realized that the best make the decisions based on imperfect information. But what they do is make sure that you get the answers that you need that allow you to sleep well at night, knowing that you've asked the questions that you need to ask so that you can make the decision on imperfect information. And that's a concept that took me a while because as a, as a recovering perfectionist, a student, I always wanted to try and get the, get the, get the answers right. But when I realized that I can start getting the answers that I need to make me feel well, sleep well at night, I started seeing the acceleration of being closer and closer and closer and closer to that then marked ability to choose to exit or not. Right. Um, and I think that's a concept that's helped me a lot. I didn't I didn't realize that, but now I have this principle that I can apply to things and um, and also it's something that I that I I believe is is helpful for others.
1: So I got two more questions because we're we're coming up on time. And the first one is Man,
0: this goes by so
1: fast <laughs> You you've teased us, right? So the person out there they're like can this guy help me? Like, what do I need to do? Like, who who are the people? You say athletes, doctors, attorneys. Like, but how do I know if I should reach out to Billy and find out more about this thing that helped accelerate his path to retirement without investing in his 401k? Yeah,
0: so there's a, so we help. A, a person, and, and there's kind of two ways, I would say primarily two ways uh, to know, first and foremost, if we're able to help you with the situation that you have, if, if you're ready to learn more and, and be able to make a change. First of all, the person based on income needs to have made $200,000 as an individual the previous two years and is expected to make three thousand dollars $200,000 this year as an individual. So 200,000 the previous two years and 200,000 this year, or as a couple 300,000 the previous two years and 300,000 is reasonably reasonably expected to generate this current year as well. That's one way. The other way is based on net worth. And so the other person that we're helping that has a million dollars of net worth, not including their primary residence. And those are the two different criteria. There's a, really, there's a third where you can take a, a series 7, 65 or 82 but that's really based on education. But primarily, the people in any of those three criteria, it's someone that's known as an accredited investor. So, an accredited investor once again is either income. So, as a couple making three hundred thousand dollars the previous two years, three hundred thousand this year. Individually, is two hundred thousand the previous two and two hundred thousand this year. A million dollars of net worth, not including your home. And the last way is based on, uh, based on an exam. So that's really the first criteria. So if you meet those criteria and you're looking to know more, then I think it would make sense to for you to at least find out more about it and things like that. But uh that's the first criteria. If you if you're not meeting those criteria at this point in time, um that, that's that's not the not the person that uh that we're that we're able to help with the company.
1: Okay. And then does that makes sense. Do you do you have any literature or
0: should they like email you? Like how how does this work? Yeah. So, well, Jerome, you know, that's a really good question. I'm very excited that you asked the question because I, we have been working very, very hard. The team's been working very, very hard. Um, and we've just recently, I think by the time this is live, um, we have we will have gone live with our new website. And our website, actually, when you go to the website, you will find a, an area just to find out more about the company, what we're doing, who we're serving. And then if it makes sense for you, there is a, as a way to See if you qualify and connect with us and and from there we will uh we'll connect with you. So you, well, I guess I can tell you. So it's if you go to First Gen C P, that's first and then G-E-N-C P, as in first generation capital partners, go to firstgencp.com. And when you go there, take a take a look at the website, uh, go around and then uh, if it makes sense to you, we'd love to uh to have a conversation and you can see if it's uh fits, if, if it's the right fit.
1: And so on the website, is there a, like contact us form or is it a link Thank to you. talent league how does it
0: work you're so good at this kind of stuff man now you go to the when you go to the website there you will see there's a i think there's a button literally when you get there and you can you can learn more you can find there's a tab there is a section uh, around invest so once you've had a chance to look at the, the website see what's there if you go to the invest section of the website you can go there fill in your information and uh, we would love to uh, to find out more about you and, and be able to help and start to uh, start to build a relationship with you. But that's the best way to do. Go to firstgencp.com when you're there. Check out the website. But specifically, if you go to the invest section, you can find out more about uh, how you can leave the information, answer a couple of questions, and then uh, the team will be in touch with you very soon.
1: Billy, thank you so much for joining me on the Dreamcatchers podcast, brother. I uh, am grateful for your, you, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share life with you. I, I think of our our trip, right? We less oh, yeah. than, about a month ago. We were, I think it was on this day, we were sitting on a catamaran in the yes, we Caribbean Sea, <laughs> uh, doing math. Neither one of us are very good at math, but we're doing <laughs> math and uh, looking at. It, the it was really Les yeah. Bitons. it it, it was was something that was so rewarding for me and you know I know that you traveled over 20 hours to be a part of that and uh it's not lost on me man I I appreciate you for who you are and the work that you're doing in the world I I think it is a worthy pursuit and I think you're going to help so many people figure out that they're working they're doing 100% of the work for 50% of the return and there are solutions out there that can help them keep more of what they earn. And so, guys, we, we got all of that down in the show notes. Uh, hop over to the website and, and do yourself a favor and and get in Billy's world because he's going to show you some things that you're not going to find through traditional means. It's If the system isn't set up to help you retire, it's to help keep you in the system for longer so that. Things can be funded as a result of you paying more taxes than you have to. So, Billy, thank you so much, sir.
0: Hey, Jerome, thank you very much. I I love what you're doing, man. It's so much positive uh, energy, positive impact done um, from from a place of love. And I wish you continued success. And I feel very privileged to uh, not only be here on the podcast with you today, but also be a part of your journey and and your life. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you to the listeners. Your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.